0: Welcome to the AVA Journal Legal Rebels podcast, where we talk to men and women who are remaking the legal profession, changing the way the law is practiced, and setting standards that will guide us into the future.
1: For decades, lawyers who worked in big law could expect some version of the following. Work long hours, including nights and weekends, with minimal free time, giving up almost all semblances of a social life. The reward? Money and a potential partnership. And if you didn't like it, there was the door. And if you're having mental health or wellness issues, then suck it up and deal with it. Whether it was the idea that stress was just a part of the job or that taking time out for your own wellness was a sign of weakness or lack of productivity, the legal industry has not always made mental well-being a priority. But some firms are trying to change that. One such firm is Omelvany & Myers. The firm has made wellness a top priority for its lawyers. In 2019, they launched the Living Well Program, which focuses on mental, physical, nutritional, social, and spiritual well-being. The program looks to help lawyers and staff reduce stress, focus on personal resilience and financial health, and if necessary, address addiction and substance abuse. Led by O'Melveny Chief Operating Officer George Demos, the program got a boost in February when the firm hired its first full-time director of well-being. My name is Victor Lee, and I'm Assistant Managing Editor for the ABA Journal. My guest on today's episode of the Legal Rebels podcast is George Demos, Chief Operating Officer at Abovita Myers. George is here today to talk about the firm's wellness program, as well as address ongoing efforts within the legal industry to address mental health and well-being. Welcome to the show, George.
2: Thank you, Victor. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to be able to have this discussion with you. I believe that well-being, and specifically mental health, is one of the biggest challenges facing our industry.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. So, I gave like the quick, very, very quick, actually barely even there, elevator speech about your background. But tell me a little bit about yourself and your background. What made you decide to become a lawyer and what drew you to the law?
2: Sure. I've practiced law for more than 30 years, and I took an unlikely path to get here. My father was a CPA, and from an early age, I wanted to be a CPA attorney and practice tax law. Um, Believe it or not, I even took the CPA exam. When I finished law school in 1989, I joined O'Melveny instead of uh, practicing with an accounting firm. 10 years later, I became a partner um, after helping to found uh, the firm's healthcare practice. And in 2008, I was tapped to serve as the firm's global chief operating officer. I became the champion of O'Melveny's wellness program in 2018. And uh, recognized early on that mental health issues needed to be an important part of our firm's wellness journey.
1: What was it that, that made you decide to focus on that? Because, I mean, obviously, as COO, you have so much on your plate. You have so many things you got to worry about. What made you decide to focus on that issue as opposed to, you know, other issues like, you know, making more money or bringing in more lawyers or things like that?
2: Well, yeah, I guess I'd start by saying I, I, I definitely focused on those latter issues that you mentioned as well, <laughs> and I continue to. Um, uh, well, yeah, for the you ben- wouldn't
1: you, you would you miss the LL for very long. Right, well.
2: right, for the, for the benefit <laughs> of the firm. But, you know, the answer to your really good question is that over really the course of my career, I've witnessed our industry in crisis from a mental wellness standpoint. You know, I think you mentioned this in your intro. You know, the pressures and stress of our profession uh, all too often lead to burnout Unhealthy habits, substance abuse, even suicidal thoughts. For far too long, really speaking out and asking for help to address these issues has been viewed as a sign of weakness in our industry. And as a result, we suffer in silence. I say we because I personally have been there. Early in my career, I faced my own well being struggles and hit my own rock bottom. So now being so fortunate to be in the position as the champion um, leading our firm's wellness program, I've decided to commit this chapter of my career to making a difference and being a driver for change. I want to make well-being and especially mental health a priority at O'Melveny, but not just at O'Melveny. My focus and passion is now really to sort of bring change and a level of focus to our entire industry.
1: So how would you describe the wellness program at your firm? Like if you were describing it to, you know, lawyers at the firm or potential lawyers that might come over or whatnot, how would you describe the program? Like what does it entail and how is it different to those at other firms?
2: So we launched our our wellness program back in uh, 2018. And, you know, at that time, as we were first launching it, one of the things that really again was at the core of my focus because of my own mental health issues uh, was that i realized that that had to be part of our overall wellness program so as we developed the program uh, we decided that we would um, attempt to make it holistic really focusing on the holistic well-being of our lawyers and our business professionals and that that would be the top priority of, of what would drive our program so when we set up the program, we decided that we would um, view it as involving four different pillars of well-being, physical and nutritional, uh, which was sort of, I think, a staple you know, very much prior to what firms, when they were first starting uh, wellness endeavors. The second for us was then really focusing on mental, emotional, and spiritual. The third was to provide um, support and resources around uh, family and community. And then the fourth was financial and career and again we really developed our program with those four pillars in mind with the goal of recognizing that you know our people have diverse needs and and their loved ones do we wanted to be able to have a program that could assist no matter what well-being challenges they were facing and so it's really sort of through our program you know that that we aim to promote a culture of wellness and to provide not only information but resources services and benefits to our people that are both accessible and hopefully highly effective. You know, you asked me, how is O'Melveny's program um, maybe different or distinctive? And, you know, my, my honest answer is, I don't really know a lot of details about firms, other firms' wellness programs. I do know, and, and I'm really happy about it, that increasingly a large number of firms now have this focus, uh, which is really great. I ultimately think that the most important thing for a law firm that is launching into the wellness space, the most important thing for them to do is to build a program that really fits with that firm's culture and serves the needs of its people. One of the strengths or hallmarks, I think, of the program we've built here is that it's constantly evolving based on the input from our people around the firm, that includes our lawyers, our business professionals, but in addition, it's really been built with the solid input of experts in this space. And, you know, we've engaged and worked with now a number of experts in fields of fitness, nutrition, mental health, counseling, and the like. And so the, the goal here, again, is to just build a comprehensive structure that will allow our people to be their best and to thrive.
1: And let me ask you, because I mean, obviously you know this is an area that we've covered with a little bit of depth and whatnot and you know we've seen just like with younger lawyers especially you know the millennial generation this is well this is something that they, that they put a you know, a much bigger emphasis on as compared to like previous generations you know like gen x and whatever have these young lawyers with their focus on well-being and whatnot, like has that also been a reason why why the firm decided to um, to move in this direction as an idea of, okay, well, you know, the young lawyers, this is what they want. This is what they're focused on. And also just from a business standpoint, you know, if we want to like attract the best and brightest, you know, young lawyers of this generation, we're, we have to provide them with the things that they, what they need.
2: Yeah, there's there's sort of no, no question about that. I mean, one of the things that really has been um, uh, so rewarding to me leading our, our Living Well program is that I get the opportunity to work very closely with um, uh, something that we call at our firm, our Associate Counsel and Advisory Committee. And that committee has been super helpful in helping us think through the types of issues and focus that we should bring in this space. But, you know, I, I have to say, Victor, it's not really at our firm, it's not something that's, you know, limited to our younger lawyers. I mean, this is what's been so awesome for what we've experienced here as a firm is that as we've rolled this out, that same level of passion and focus um, to sort of be doing the right thing to help our people be their best selves and live their most rewarding you know, lives, both professionally and personally, is something that has resonated with all of our lawyers at every level, as well as our business professionals. And so that to me is what's been great. This is not an approach that's been, by any stretch of the imagination, a one-size-fits-all endeavor. It's something that has been made stronger because so many seem to care about it and are really helping to propel us to, I think, greater links here at the firm. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I just kind of use that as an example, just as like a way to kind of paint a broad stroke. But but let me ask you, like, so if me personally, like I'm Gen X, obviously, you know, I had the mentality of like when, because I, I went to law school and I, I, I didn't practice at a firm, but I practiced for a few years. When I was practicing and, and going to law school and whatnot, there was sort of that mentality of, oh, just suck it up and deal with it. Like if you're dealing with something, just you know don't worry about it and just do your work and everything else will work out. And sort of like if you admit that you need help or you admit that something's not going the way you you want it to, then that's a sign of weakness. So how do you create an environment for lawyers like that? Because there's still plenty of people like that in the workforce. How How do you create an environment at the firm so that lawyers like that if they need help, they can go to someone at the firm and be like, OK, look, I need help, even though I might be worried that, that this might reflect badly on me or this might affect my career or blah, blah, blah. Like, how do you kind of create a safe environment for them so that they can do that without having to worry about how this might reflect on them or how this might affect them long term?
2: Yeah, well, I think that, you know, it's a great question. And I think, you know, before just answering that question directly, one of the things that I, I think you correctly noted is that there has been a longstanding um, stigma in our industry and in our profession and you know that stigma which existed early on in in my career and really is you know why I felt and and hit my rock bottom was that you simply did not say anything about mental health in the workplace and you know as a result there weren't back in the day a prioritization around these types of benefits you know now what our younger lawyers are expressing and how we make them be able to express themselves really is by creating a safe environment. It's creating a a psychosocially safe environment where people feel free to share their stories and all that they have or are dealing with, uh, both at a professional level and a personal level. And once you create that kind of a dialogue, it helps. And the way that that started, interestingly, um, at our firm was that I, for many, many years, for decades, I did not feel safe to share my story. Okay. What I had gone through and how I had dealt with it and the chair of our firm and the managing director for talent development both knew of my story. And, you know, back in 2018, uh, began to talk to me about, they thought that it would be okay for me to share my story. It took me a couple of years and it really wasn't until we were in the pandemic. When I realized the loneliness and the grief that people were feeling at that time that I felt safe, I felt like it was okay. And once I started sharing my story, I think people around the firm because I went around the entire firm i mean I, I I literally um you know it was in virtual town halls, and those were then followed up as we came out of the pandemic with in person town halls. It just created this safe space where people could talk. One of the things that we also launched at the firm were uh, something that we called life moment workshops where we brought together our business professionals, our lawyers in every office, and we would create a dialogue and conversation where people could share the things that had been weighing on them. And so it created the safe space. And I think that's that's the ingredient. That's the first element that you, know, you have to put forth. It's, it's fine to sort of say, hey, we've got a, a benefit program that might help you in this area or in that area, but until you make people feel safe at work, like they're not a unicorn or an oddball, and they, they actually can find um, support within the firm to share their journey, you won't be able to achieve sort of full mental well-being. And that's how we're structuring and how we've structured our program. And it, it seems to have really resonated.
1: So before we continue, let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. If you're like me,
0: you're probably a bit frustrated with the state of our political system today. Democracy Decoded, a podcast by Campaign Legal Center, examines our government and discusses innovative ideas that could lead to a stronger, more transparent, accountable, and inclusive democracy. Listen at democracydecoded.org to their new season, which takes a deep dive into democracy at the state and local level by highlighting different ways to ensure that every voter's voice is heard. Filing court documents, serving legal papers, collecting electronic signatures Spend more time on substantive legal work and less time on busy work. Learn how simple it can be at infotrack.com slash simple.
1: And we're back. So, George, you talked a little bit in the first segment about the things that you were going through, you hitting rock bottom and some of the personal issues that you were, you were dealing with. So what were those issues and how did they affect your practice as a lawyer?
2: So, um, I I guess 34 years ago, I started at the firm as a a new associate, and I was the only associate working with a team of seven partners, which, as you can imagine, uh, was an incredibly stressful situation. At the same time, my personal life was filled with uh, soul-shaking struggles. Two deaths in my family, uh, one of them a parent who was only 53 years old and another, a suicide of a younger brother. Um, At that time, uh, my wife and I were also caring for our chronically ill uh, mother, and uh, we were trying to keep a failing family business afloat. On top of all of that, I became a father for the very first time uh, within that same window. And Victor, the combination of those life events sure, yeah. um, sparked for me what became a constant battle with anxiety and full-on panic attacks. I needed help, but I was really afraid to say that out loud to anyone because of you know what I mentioned before about the historical stigma. So I self-medicated with food, and I gained a substantial and unhealthy amount of weight and eventually I sunk to my rock bottom. I clearly remember you know, coming home one evening, this was a defining moment, and I was absolutely exhausted. It was a Friday night, I fell into a chair, and I thought to myself that if I didn't do something to address how I was feeling and behaving, I was not going to make it to my 40th birthday. And that moment really lit a fire inside of me to focus on my own physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being, taking small steps to manage my anxiety and ultimately save my life. And you asked, what was the impact on my practice? I think the impact on my practice is that without question, I wasn't performing at the level that I would have been able to perform had I been um, healthy and had I been able to get the resources and the assistance that I needed you know, it goes back to creating that opportunity to be heard. And, you know, I really feel that my path to wellness could have been shorter if I felt safe to ask for help, especially at work. You know, and even though O'Melveny was um, really, on the whole, a, a generally supportive place, it just wasn't generationally at that time something that I felt I could speak up to. And so that's really sort of my... Uh, my journey. And now as COO of the firm, you know, I want to really do something to change that, to change what I had experienced. And with the support again of our chair and so many other senior leaders around the firm, I really opened up that that dialogue. And, you know, the crux of that dialogue is to tell people that it, it's okay not to be okay. And it's okay to feel safe to raise these issues. And Now, you know, beyond just sort of wanting to help within our firm, I now really see it as my mission to bring a sense of urgency to the mental health problems we face as an industry and sort of try to help for comprehensive change across the industry, both law firms and in-house legal departments, because I think that the pressures that we face as lawyers are um, the same. And, you know, ultimately... This isn't going to get solved by just putting a Band-Aid on it by saying that we now have a wellness program and we now offer these kinds of resources. I think for us to really, Victor, get at this in a way that's going to have a meaningful impact, we've got to change the manner in which we work. That's really at um, the core of, of all of this. And, you know, it's how we work and the cultural norms that surround, you know, the badges of honor that all of us grew up with, the the working 24-7, being available days, nights, weekends, um, on holiday, you know, those kinds of cultural norms can and must be changed. Yeah.
1: Well, talking sort of about, about how to balance work obligations with wellness and whatnot. So, I mean, obviously, at the end of the day, you know, still a business, you know, you still have to represent clients and whatnot. So how should lawyers Balance their work obligations with, you know, their own mental well-being. I mean, like, because if you do have a client who says, "Okay, I need this done yesterday," and you know, you're you're at home and and you're trying to enjoy yourself and have a have a relaxing evening or weekend or whatever, like, how do you think a lawyer should approach that then, in order to kind of, you know, you know meet their work obligations while still you know maintaining their wellness?
2: Well, you know, it's interesting um, because I think that mental health and overall well-being fuels productivity. So, you know, to me. I mean, you frame it as a balance, but I think the the two concepts are really inextricably linked. And, you know, if you you sort of think about it, it's a simple concept. The way I boil this down is that healthy people equals happy and productive people, and happy and productive people in a workforce equals a healthy law firm with well-served clients. So I think that the idea of mental health and productivity are at odds is misplaced, you know, and what needs to to be there to help younger lawyers be able to express that they need a break or they need time off so that, you know, burnout um, doesn't take a physical and mental toll that ends up hindering performance and productivity is that we have to ask our leaders to be clear to their teams that we have to change the cultural norms. We all need to take time off, preferably uninterrupted, to be well and productive. And, you know, that's whether it's taking 10 minutes to go for a walk, walk your dog, taking an hour to chat with a therapist, or, you know, taking the the hard-earned vacation that you need to completely unplug, you need to do it. So I really think that what will help younger lawyers is if again They feel safe. They feel safe to be able to say what it is they need. You know, in my experience, this generation of lawyers work not as hard. They work harder than when I started practicing law. And um, they have, you know, the advent of technology and things that come at them, both professionally and in life, I think they have a, a tougher road. So the ability for them to, I think, get through that and manage that, it's wholly dependent upon... Are being able to support them through leadership, and you know, in order for our leaders to uh, of law firms or in-house legal departments to be effective, I think they need to, you know, lead with um, empathy and with authenticity, and um, you know, we have to again break sort of the cultural norms. So, you know, for example, if an associate is working around the clock, instead of saying, you know, good for her, she's really killing herself. You know, we need to pay more attention to people like her who are overworking to let them know that is not the only ingredient to success.
1: Well, and and, I mean, you talked a little about this like earlier, but like, what is it about being a lawyer? Because obviously the stereotypes and the, they're always stressed out. They, um, you know, work these long hours. They may engage in risky behaviors as a way to like, kind of like, like self-medicate and whatnot. What is it about being a lawyer that kind of lends itself to that? Or do you think that's just present in every industry?
2: I don't think it's present in, in, in every industry. In fact, you know, I think that um, it was really eye-opening to me. The American lawyer um, just this year put out a survey, and I think the statistics were pretty startling. Just a couple of those is that 49% of lawyers surveyed think that mental health issues are at a crisis level in the industry. 76% believe the work environment contributes to mental health issues. 78% think that the work environment uh, contributes uh, to mental health issues over time. And, you know, 67% do not think um, they could take an extended leave from employment to tend to mental health or substance abuse issues. So, you know, I, I don't know about you, Victor, but, you know, to me, those percentages are pretty startling and would suggest to me that our industry is, is not a healthy industry right now. And it's why I'm, I'm so deeply committed to not just, Hopefully, creating a healthier picture at Omelveny, but working really hard with firms and our in-house legal colleagues to come together and work together in a way that creates that type of change. You know, really, um, if you think about it, and and this is why I'm so hopeful about our ability to change the picture. You know, other industries um, have been able to leverage their unique platforms to highlight and address mental health issues. Think about um, what's been accomplished in the sports industry, where you know athletes were once viewed as invincible, but now college athletes, pro athletes, even Olympians alike are speaking openly about these issues. Right. That also exists in Hollywood, where you know uh, a list performers struggling with anxiety or depression, you know I think have um, shrugged off the proverbial the show must go on. Attitude, and you know, publicly share and declare their need for help. So, you know, my hope and my dream is that if those industries can evolve for the better, so can the legal industry. And I'm proud of the steps that we're taking at our firm to work with others to make that happen.
1: Uh, let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Delegate out those tasks that take up your time. Staffy can help you with your legal, administrative, marketing, and even client-facing workload. Hiring Staffy's top-notch bilingual virtual staff means Staffy does the recruiting, hiring, and training for you. Then, if you need a change, Staffy handles it. You get to concentrate on your strategic work. Schedule a free consultation at Staffy.cc. That's S-T-A-F-I.cc, and get five hundred dollars off with code Happy twenty-four. And we're back. So, sort of look look into the future now, or, or looking forward where do you see things heading like do you think that more firms and more companies and more agencies will start to adopt similar wellness initiatives or 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 start to focus more on wellness matters or do you think that there's going to be you know resistance to it
2: i absolutely think that more and more firms and in-house legal departments are going to make this a focus and a priority it's already happening We joined with an organization called One Mind at Work back in 2020. One Mind at Work is a leading nonprofit on uh, brain wellness. It supports uh, those issues across industries. Um, We were the first law firm to, to join One Mind at Work. We learned a lot from that collaboration and how companies and industries are broadly focused on this. The idea that we then had was to create a legal vertical through One Mind, and invite other firms to join. And we're up now to about a dozen firms and in-house law departments through corporations that have already joined the legal vertical. And so it's getting real traction. We had our first um, summit on mental health and well-being in uh, Napa earlier this year, and we're already planning for the second annual summit in February, uh, which will be on the East Coast next year. Just this week, I had the pleasure of addressing a number of law firm chairs from the Amlaw 50. And um, specifically, what I was asked to speak about were these very issues, the issues confronting our industry and why it is um, so important for us as an industry to act together. and you know the 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 issue is that firms can and in-house law departments can have a focus and should in connection with these things on an individual level. But really, in order to drive change, we've got to have the power of the collective. And that's the whole point. and and the reason that I say that, and what's so important to understand is again, it's not just about a firm or a company putting forth, You know, a program to create better access for uh, counselors or therapists. That is important. That's kind of a bedrock step that must be taken. But to really get at this and to go back to something I think that you said so well earlier in our conversation, you know, uh, we have to get at the root cause of how we work, what it is that drives this I've always got to be on, you know, mentality. And we've got to retrain ourselves uh, you know an example i can give you is that sending emails late at night or on weekends when it's not urgent and expecting an immediate response that's something that could be changed or failing to communicate clearly that people can freely step away so they can tend to a personal matter or recharge especially while on vacation you know those again are things that i think are adjustments in the way we work but What's really been rewarding coming out of the the mental health summit that I mentioned through OneMind is that we now have a working group comprised of in-house counsel and law firms working together to brainstorm around how to potentially change the way in in which we work that could help alleviate or reduce some of that stress or tension. So, you know, a number of the summit participants suggested that there could be a more upfront discussion between firms and clients about how to coordinate work and how to communicate the level of urgency surrounding tasks, being sensitive to all of these issues. I really believe, Victor, that if we can, as an industry, the power of the collective, bring that type of thinking together and make those incremental changes, it's going to have a really meaningful impact.
1: So let me ask you, like as a personal matter. So for the listeners out there or for people who might be tuning in or whatnot, what are what are some things that you do, you know, either at the office or at home or whatnot to kind of recharge yourself? Like if you're feeling like a little bit like, okay, I need to take a little bit of time for myself. I need to do something to kind of rejuvenate myself or whatnot. What are some things that you, you would recommend to people?
2: So what has worked for me and it's it's been something that I've consistently done really now for a couple of decades, is that I have I established a routine. And I'm one of these people who likes to get up super early in the morning and, you know, I start my day with some form of uh, meditation, reflection, prayer, and that's how I sort of get mentally adjusted. That's then followed by exercise. Those are just daily staples for me, kind of seven days a week. You know, I pursued uh, hobbies this year. I've, I've started studying jujitsu. I always wanted to learn a martial art. And so um, that's something I've started doing. And then I love, I love gardening. And so all of those things, and, you know, I guess I would cap it off by saying my greatest joy really uh, since the pandemic is that I've become a grandfather. And so now have two granddaughters and um, have a, a a grandson on the way.
1: Mm, Congratulations.
2: And I guess the, the way, you know, you might say, well, gosh, that sounds you know, like a, a full load. How do you balance that plus running a global law firm? Um, you know, the reality is I've made it a priority. I um, give myself grace to recognize that, you know, if I'm going to exercise it, it doesn't need to be for a you know, half hour or an hour, even if it's 10 or 15 minutes. That's something that's beneficial. So I think part of it is through routine and by giving yourself grace that if on a given day you can't quite follow that exact routine, that's okay. What's important is to sort of always in your own mind establish that, you know, North Star and really try to head for it.
1: Finally, if, if our listeners do want to reach out to you for, you know, questions or for, for advice or whatnot, what's the best way to do so?
2: I'd love that. My email address is gdimos at omem.com. So G D E. M-O-S at O-M-M dot com. Great.
1: So uh, thanks for joining us today, George. I I appreciate the conversation. I hope you did too.
2: Thank you, Victor. I I very much enjoyed it and really want to thank you um, so much for this opportunity.
1: Best of luck. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to hear more, please go to your favorite app and check out some other titles from Legal Talk Network. In the meantime, I'm Victor Lee, and I'll see you next time on the ABA Joining Legal Rebels podcast.
0: If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit LegalRebels.com, LegalTalkNetwork.com, subscribe via iTunes and RSS, find both the ABA Journal and Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn, or download the free apps from ABA Journal and Legal Talk Network in Google Play and iTunes.